welcome to the state of us. It's Sunday night. We've got the old gang back together. <laughs> Ellen and Carl, how are you doing? Um, is it still Sunday? <laughs> I feel good. You feel I good? I feel energized. Really? Yeah. That's just the pizza. And now I'm bathed in the power of democracy. Okay, let's go. I mean the whingers that I hear every week saying there's nothing happening. Well, all of the protesters that I have seen before uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones, tablets, uh, video cameras and other... Sorry, sorry. It's more like um, a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Fuck you, Deputy Stark. Fuck you. There's a very simple false assumption which you're saying that I am a wealthy man. I I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Féin and the rule Tisha, of law, Tisha, and public order, Deputy and Benjamin. condemning violence, it doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic, up the rebels, and it's Chucky Arlaw! Control yourself. Okay, so here we are. It's uh, the night, the first night of, of, of counting. Is that, the, is that where we are right now? Or like, how many more days do we have of, of this to go? Like, it's been an extraordinary 24 hours in in irish politics 10 o'clock last night saturday night the exit poll came out uh, with with a three-way tie um ellen how do you think it's unfolded from that point to where we are at this stage i mean immediately you had finnegale kind of trying to snatch some good news and spinning their 0.1 percent mm. lead Ireland's the largest party, the largest yes. party. I mean, at the time of recording, I think Sinn Féin's share has gone up to nearly 24%. And first thing in the RDS on Sunday morning, that's what the Sinn Féin party was saying. Um, like, it's kind of gas to watch Sinn Féin topping the poll everywhere. So in some parts, getting like two quotas. And then the conversation going back to like, yeah, it's been a radical change. The most shocking Irish election in the history of the state. Is it going to be Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael in government? Like, it's... <laughs> It's still kind of, there has been some thawing from Fianna Fáil on the Sinn Féin issue. Some thawing? Hmm. Well, like, <clears throat> Niall Martin was, basically came out and was like, you know, it's what sounded like a complete U-turn. He was backed up by Robert Troy, who gave an interview on News Talk. But then later on, on Sunday, you had Jim O'Callaghan and Michael McGrath being like, no, they completely fucked the country. We have to stick with the same position. Fine Gael isn't even entertaining the idea. Uh, even though I think most people would agree that the fact that both of them had come out so soon and ruled out Sinn Féin was a massive mistake. But but is like it, it seems extraordinary because we, we talked about this before that uh, Fine Gael's differences with Sinn Féin seems to be very much rooted in the, you know the present and and the future and what their economic how how, how much well that's the way they spun it yeah like I mean even at the start of this podcast you can hear that quote from Leo about the balaclava slipping it was clever of Leo Varadkar to cite in the debate the fact that you know they see Sinn Féin as fiscally irresponsible that they don't see them as being good enough on issues like the special criminal court to make that their reason because I think they knew that the stuff about the past wasn't landing with voters and now Milo Martin is still and that strategy and is parroting what Leo Radker was saying the whole way through. Whereas Owen Murphy is now telling you that uh, you know the housing Actually, policy. Actually, yeah, <coughs> they're Sinn Fein the have yeah. just did a controlled <coughs> copy and paste of Sinn yeah. uh, Finnegale's um, action plan on housing, on rebuilding Ireland, and put it in the Sinn Fein manifesto, and people loved it. Carl, where do you see it going from here? Because that this is like this has been the, I think 
most of us expected there to be some more uh, sort of you know hesitancy before uh, like Fianna Fáil abandoned this this core principle or Micheál Martin abandoned what seems to be this fundamental Yeah, I mean, clear, clearly we've all underrated the seduction of power. You know, Micheál Martin clearly sees his chance to become, you know, he's waited in the wings for a long time now, almost 10 years, and now he sees his chance to become Taoiseach. And I think he's probably willing to do pretty much whatever it takes. Whether or not that actually flies with his own party and the core of Fianna Fáil voters and, and other Fianna Fáil TDs who really don't want to, uh, you know, peg themselves to Sinn Féin remains to be seen but I don't know I don't know what's going to happen clearly they all are prepared to open their doors with the exception of Fianna Gael but Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil seem to be very prepared to talk to each other you even saw you know I spoke to Ruth Coppinger today from people before profit and there's a clear sense of anxiety now in the parties that are to the left of Sinn Féin that Sinn Féin are very very prepared to as Ruth Coppinger put it you know rescue Fianna Fáil and bring them back in uh, to the fray politically. So as for what happens now, it seems like the expedient thing to do, you know, if Michal Martin is, is already saying that there are just some difficulties that need to be overcome, you know, that's the kind of thing that can be ironed out in a conversation. And, you know, maybe, you know, Michal Martin will soon be, you know, taking, happily taking orders from the shadowy Ard Corla himself. Uh, so That would be a, a step even further if he actually joined yeah yeah but I mean at the end of this process it is it is just so interesting because of you know how viscerally and how you know the first debate that Mary Lou wasn't a part of the head to head between Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin Michal Martin uh, said that Sinn Féin aren't a normal political party. Mm. And by that, he was referring to the fact that their members have ties to the IRA and things like that. Whereas now this is being boiled down to just kind of differences, differences yeah, yeah. of opinion. It's it's no longer, oh, they're not a party that does business in a normal way. It's they're a party that we can maybe find some common ground well, with. Well, incompatibilities in, 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 in is a phrase that suggests, uh, well, you know, it's hard to know. It, it, maybe it doesn't, like, if you say you're incompa- incompatible with somebody, maybe that's, uh, you, you can't bridge that. But sometimes, you know, there's, there's a way of becoming more, you know, of, of finding a way of, of meshing those yeah, incompatibilities well, I think the together. fact is that if you suggest there are incompatibilities, the kind of corollary to that is there are also compatibilities. Mm. And, uh, you know, the fact is that Michal Martin, all through this campaign, was emphatic that he wouldn't go into government with Sinn Féin. And as soon as Sinn Féin have taken the polls by storm and are getting first preferences, left, right and centre, breaking records, blah, 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 um, he's in a situation where he is ready to renege on that almost immediately. Ellen, what do you think Fianna Fáil's uh, best strategy is? Or what are they thinking their best strategy is here? Because surely when you look at like how Sinn Féin have performed um, and the idea, like Fine Gael are kind of just backing away for now and saying, let's leave it to other, other people. But the idea that Fianna Fáil could go into government supported by Fine Gael, say, in some sort of confidence and supply or whatever, and allow Sinn Féin to be on the opposition and to build on this, you know, massive result would seem to be a huge risk if they were to take that, if to go that way. Yeah, I mean, like, if you wanted to destroy a left-wing party, the best way to do it is to bring them into government with you if you're Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. Mm. Um, obviously... It's not just Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael that have to look at Sinn Féin now. You have people like Labour who also made a massive mistake in saying that Sinn Féin, they wouldn't go into power with Sinn Féin. So now you're going to have 
people on the left building a relationship with Sinn Féin, especially if they were the lead opposition party. You also have the fact that there's lots of people in solidarity, people before profit, this kind of socialist groupings who are cleaning up on Sinn Féin transfers all over the country. So they're going to be kind of the official opposition. So imagine you have a Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Grand Coalition, and then the opposition is like this new alternative mm. left-wing version of Sinn Féin that's very divorced from its past support it in a closer relationship with uh, Solidarity People Before Profit that's it makes Ireland more left-right than mm. yeah. we've ever been For before. the first time ever you'd probably have a, a dedicated shadow cabinet and you'd have people basically seeing uh, the one that got away you'd be looking at a shadow housing minister Owen O'Brien look at shadow finance minister Pierce Doherty you know shadow minister for sport uh, Catherine Murphy and like or yeah Catherine Murphy from Sock Dems so like people I think would really it would cut in such stark relief the difference between the establishment Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil and the parties like Sinn Féin and People Before Profit and to some extent the Greens and Sock Dems who are really cutting out a whole new vision for Ireland. Ellen, you were in the RDS today and you saw like people were saying that the reception Mary Lou Macdonald got was like, not like nothing people had ever seen down there. Like what does that do uh, for a politician and for a political party? Because we've seen it in other countries. We haven't seen it too much here when uh, people are elected on a, on a kind of wave of ho- hope and that expectation, like, you know, her quote, uh, about you know we won't have a, you know we're not going to have five years of a housing crisis like there are, there are things they're 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 be, like and the housing is the thing they've been elected <laughs> on that's what they has got them elected I know people health was polled as the highest most important issue but I think housing we all kind of feel is the one that matters so what does that do for them to be elected on this wave of hope to have this huge expectation you know and and focus from the media. Yeah, like she's basically had the campaign that Fine Gael wish Leo Varadkar had had when they elected him in 2017. This idea that rather than being a party, it's a person on first name terms. And you would have heard a lot of people throughout the campaign saying they were voting for Mary Lou, not for Sinn Féin, even people outside of Dublin Central. So she has become this kind of individual personality now. It was a very individual led campaign supported by Pierce Doherty and Ono Bryn. Um, and there is a huge wave of expectation on her. Um, and you could even hear herself like she was prioritising housing much more than the traditional Sinn Féin issues, despite the fact that I think the exit poll on Saturday night said that everybody from the age of 49 under was overwhelmingly in favour of a border poll over the next five years. I think it was like 60% from people 49 under and it was as high as 75% for people aged 18 to 24. But you could see like her clear red line that she was talking about today was the rent freeze. So she Mm. does go in with Fianna Fáil we're going to have a referendum. We're going to have to have a referendum on housing rights, where people are going like hashtag home to vote against their own landlord. Um, it's, it, it like it is. It could make or break Sinn Fein, and I think it'll all depend on the lifetime of this government and this thirty third doll. And what will their thinking be? Like we've talked about Fianna Fáil's strategy. What will Sinn Fein be thinking? Do you feel at this point about like they've said? You know, Mary Lou said they want to make. Uh, uh, they want to make a you know a left government if mm. they can, but that seems to be again yeah. just something they're going to put out there before. It's quite a fraught time, you know. Like 
I think at the end of the day, Mary Lou has been, Mary Lou McDonald has been very, very clear that her door is open to work with any party. She hasn't ruled out working with Fina Gale. She hasn't worked, ruled out working with Fina Fall. First thing she did today was make it clear that her first phone calls were to the left parties, were to Sock Dems, people before profit. Now, you could take that at face value and think that she's trying to form a left government. There's also the school of thought that you could think that she's basically offering Sinn Féin's hand to these parties so that when they reject whatever she's offered, she can say, well, look, I tried to have a left government. They left me with no option but to go in with Fianna Fáil. Um, but I think as far as their strategy, they'd be very well advised to look at what happened to the Greens after they went into coalition with Fianna Fáil in 2007. They were wiped out. Labour, who went into coalition with Fianna Gael in 2011, they were wiped out. And the Progressive Democrats, who were, you know, they don't even exist anymore. But, um, but, so the, but, the, but have things changed? Like, if there has been this fundamental change, and we all, you know, like everyone, you know, you've referenced those uh, today as well, those cases mm. of, of parties. But changes mightn't be as fundamental as they seem. In 2011, Fianna Fáil were reduced to about 20 or 21 seats. Throughout the polling here, they've basically tied Sinn Féin and they are, you know, within the margin of error, they are all thereabouts equally as popular as one another. And Fianna Fáil will probably end up with the highest share of seats again. As far as fundamental change when it comes to Sinn Féin's ascendancy, you know, Labour did get 37 seats in 2011 and now Labour are a non-factor. So we can talk what it is. It's a, it's a major change and it's a change that could become a fundamental change. But I think it's not a fundamental change yet. We have to see what whatever Sinn Féin decide to do next will determine just how fundamental the change <coughs> but is. But no, my point is really as much as to do with our... Our, our expectation around how governments uh, perform and how they operate when one of the one of a, a, like a left wing party or a smaller party goes into coalition with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. Like if every, if things have shifted the way they seem to have shifted, surely there is an opportunity now for Sinn Féin to go in, even if even if there's a smaller party, but to go in with a you know uh, like with a clear agenda with really uh, with red lines and with a night like Yona Brin as housing minister makes perfect sense because you know there's nobody else uh, that most people would he's that's what people have voted on that's what people that's the per people have voted practically for a housing minister which you know which is mm. which is a, which is almost a new thing it's like so they do have an opportunity even if they are in government with Fianna Fáil to actually ensure that it isn't a government that does where where labor where labor or left party does the bidding of a bigger party but they actually can drive through their policies yeah, that's kind of the best case scenario for Fianna Fáil as well, because they obviously understand that the two party state system is over. Mm. So if they if it turns into a grand coalition between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, the the political spectrum, the middle, the centre doesn't hold like all that stuff yeah. that Michael Martin was saying in 2016 doesn't apply anymore. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael become even more blended together. Uh, they become more right wing in people's minds. And then you're just waiting for um, a left-wing minority yeah. government the next time round. Like, Sinn Féin could have run scarecrows as running mates in eight or ten constituencies this time and picked up eight or ten seats. Mm. Like, the like Alan says, like, the double quotas, the, the first preferences that their candidates are picking up 
are huge uh, in so many different constituencies. So if you have a situation where, like Fianna Fáil will probably desperately want Sinn Féin to go into government with them, because if it ends up being Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, you're basically just going to have like, you know, Sinn Féin doing like a Rocky montage in opposition for five mm. years, just like getting stronger, building up. And next time they'll come back, like even if the election was held six months from now and Sinn Féin ran, you know, 15 more candidates, the suggestion from the evidence we've seen is that they would pick up maybe 12 more seats. So if they go into opposition, a really fully fledged opposition, paint themselves as the diametric opposition to whatever Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil suggest, you're going to have a situation where Sinn Féin could come back next time and take, you know, 50 seats. But does that give them huge power in any any negotiations then with Fianna Fáil, say, because it's like, well, it's either us or you're, you're, you're with Fine Gael and we're, and we're the opposition as you've laid out. So like if they, if they want to get there, they, in some ways, even though there, there's, this, there's this threat of an election in six months where they come back with more, more TDs, like if from a, from a policy point of view, they mm. should be pushing an open door right now with Fianna Fáil. Yeah, but like I heard Mary Lou McDonald did an interview with Gavin Riley on Sunday where he put that, prospect to her and was like you know what are your red lines and obviously it's more likely to be if if that happened it's it would be more likely to be Fianna Fáil than Fine Gael and the only thing she said was the rent freeze and sure Fianna Fáil have a different position on that depending on what day of the week it is so yeah. that's not even and she didn't say anything else like she wasn't even that strong on the border poll within five so like what are Sinn Féin's red lines for a coalition yeah no but yeah but that's 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 uh but but they still have policy, especially on again to keep going back to housing. Like they do have policies on housing. Yeah, but they'll get their they'll get their rent freeze, which is like the number one policy that got through to those people aged eighteen to thirty four. So like, is that's not a, that bitter a pill for Fianna Fáil to swallow? That's mm. so I think that like the legitimacy that will come. I mean, the allure of the legit legitimacy that will come from Sinn Fein finally being in government probably outstrips the prospect of them spending another five years in opposition and growing stronger to the point where they could maybe lead a coalition five years down the line. They'll probably hope that they can go into government now, perform as well as possible, and maybe the most heralded moments of the next five years come on the back of Sinn Féin policies like the rent freeze. That's probably what they'll be hoping. And they'll hope that they can lead a coalition off the back of that as opposed to five strong years um, in coalition. What do you mean by the legitimacy of, it, of government? Well, you know, like, I'm, you know, it's not long ago that Sinn Féin had five seats, were led by Jerry Adams, mm. uh, you know, have members who can't get into the United States, you mm. know, things like that. The Sinn Féin are still very much, as we've seen, you know, by the rhetoric taken, you know, the rhetoric, the rhetoric of Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin, Sinn Féin are still closely associated with the IRA and a paramilitary past. So the fact is, if they get into government, that's a huge, that's a seismic change for them. Like kind of, forget about a seismic change for Ireland. The idea that basically this party that has its roots in paramilitary Mm. struggle is now, you know, in government and in government on the basis of its housing policies or its healthcare policies is... The, you know that's what I mean by legitimacy. But I wonder at the same time, like what examination of those links? Again, you've seen it, like, mm-hmm. you know, with the Paul Quinn situation, uh, something that most people weren't paying attention to. It wasn't that it was made political capital out of it; it was just that everyone was paying attention this time. Uh, I wonder if you're in government, and you know, not just a, a nation's media, but like international media, yeah. everyone starts looking at those connections. 
which remain, which still exist. Like nobody, there's very few people who dispute, like, you know, I know Sinn Féin figures joke uh, about shadowy figures controlling them and all this sort of stuff now. But nobody disputes that there is there is a, a link and there are there are facts, mm. there, are, there, are, there are controls in Sinn Féin that are different. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of what I mean because... But, but if, they're now expo- if they're now examined when they're in government, like, could that be damaging for them? But see, I think, there is, I think it could be damaging, but I think they'll also have the perspective that if you have Owner Bryn performing really well as housing minister, Pierce Doherty performing really well, Mary Lou McDonald performing really well, that you can point to your current present-day achievements and say, yeah, well, you know that's in the past and look how well things are going right now. Um, but so it's not in the past. It may not be in the past. It may yeah, not be, no, it may not be in the past. I just like think Justice Minister Jim O'Callaghan at a doorstep answering questions about a Paul Quinn type thing that's coming yeah. up from his yeah. coalition partner and then not having Leo Varadkar, whoever the future leader of Fine Gael is, standing up and saying you're legitimising you're legitimising mm. this yeah. shadowy stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's a mess basically. Yeah, which is, I mean, and that is all along why you know, Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar hope Sinn Féin wouldn't be in this mm. position. Like, they absolutely don't want to be doing a deal with Sinn Féin. It's just that that's all that's really left to them. And it's it's funny, like, do you think Sinn Féin are in such a powerful position now that, you know, maybe there was at one point you might have said, right, one of the prices that might have been paid if they wanted to go into government would be to make some, you know, break with, the, with, with that, with that organisational structure to say, right, you know, a bit like... Uh, Bit like the long negotiations for decommissioning, decommissioning arms. You know that this would be the next step in their legitimization. That they would actually make some gesture or do something to r- release their 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 party you know, politicians from whatever other other mm. uh, structures they're tied to. But now they don't need to. Like now they have the party, the other parties where they want them. Now I think they kind of have. To, like I think they're going to be forced to do it now. Do you? Yeah, because like, listen to Mary Lou coming in on, you know, this monumental election for Sinn Féin and not talking first about a united Ireland. Her first, the mm-hmm. first thing she talks about is a rental freeze. Like, obviously, that's appealing to a totally different Sinn Féin voter. Um, and they're going to be conscious of that. Like, there's two different Sinn Féins now. There's like the Jerry Adams Sinn Féin and the Ono Bryn Sinn Féin. Mm. And maybe like if you have more people like Ono Bryn, Louise O'Reilly kind of coming into the party, it changes naturally. But there's going to be internal conversations in Sinn Féin where they have to decide what kind of party they are now. How surprised, like we've talked about the campaign and you talked about, the you know, Sinn Féin having the campaign that Fine Gael wanted. How much a factor do you think their campaign was or has this been a reaction to everything else as well and again housing was a factor because you know you can look at a woman and think it wasn't that yeah inspiring a campaign i think it's, it's interesting like you noted with mary lou mcdonald turning up the ods today basically like the second coming of jesus mm. and you know mary lou mcdonald is a, is a formidable leader and she's a great speaker and she uh has a great mind at work but she's not barack obama you know like she's not like an inspiring uh charismatic uh, you know, she's plenty charismatic, but I mean, she's not like a charismatic leader in the yeah, yeah. old school sense of the word. Uh, so it's interesting. I think that really just highlights the appetite there was among Irish people for an alternative. And I think Sinn Féin basically met that low bar and threshold for strength, you know, a low bar for ideas, a low bar for alternative. That's not to say that, you know, they're not offering decent solutions, but just that it was a low bar. People were ready for change. They wanted something. And Mary Lou MacDonald and Louise Riley and the rest were able to give them enough to cling to. 
Um, I remember when uh, Leo Varadkar was running for, for leader of Fianna Gael and, uh, and, and become Taoiseach by default, talking to a Fianna Gael figure outside the Red Cow Hotel for the first debate. And he talked about the Fianna Gael members going into here to debate and he said they love him. He's talking about Leo. And then he gestured out to the kind of M50 and beyond to kind of Ireland. And he said and they love him mm. out there too. Uh, and when we talk about Mary Lou, again, as you said, like the campaign and the... Uh, the image Fine Gael had for Leo Varadkar and what they felt, the connection they felt he was going to have with the people of Ireland has been demolished by this election. Like, it's been like, like, where does he go to from here? In one sense, I feel like Leo Varadkar must be one of the unluckiest politicians in Ireland to finally become the leader of his party and the Taoiseach right at the moment when the Irish political system basically combusts and everything changes. And like on the charismatic thing, yeah, like in 2017, people in Fine Gael were turning to journalists and saying, you know, people want to take selfies with Leo Varadkar as if that means anything. And 100% through this, like his first general election campaign as party leader, people did want to take selfies with him all the time and people did respond to him as if he was a celebrity you know exactly what the parliamentary party wanted when they elected him like teenage girls like coo over him and people take selfies and owl ones love him and fancy him but like people respond in exactly the same way to marty morrissey but they're not going to trust him to like pass the budget and finnegale like (laughs) just made a big mistake totally conflating celebrity and politics Mm. um like Leo Varadkar is very warm and had a really good campaign and wasn't awkward and wasn't unfriendly and was very popular everywhere he went and seemed really like nice and handsome and normal. But the change in this election and the lack of support for Fine Gael, I think, was kind of brewing long before he even ever either he ever even made his first move to take over as leader and I think that depending on who's left on the Fine Gael backbenches there's certainly going to be conversations over the next few days about um, his future as, as mm. leader of the party in the long term I think he'll so stay around for a while pretty much they were fooled by a, a, t- a tall man with a pretty face and you know we've all we've all been there, <laughs> we've all been there. Yeah. Well, you, were, you were out at, uh, at Leo Radker's count in, in Dublin West today and as we speak at quarter past nine on Sunday evening he is, I see from Rob O'Hanrahan's latest tweet, he's still, uh, he needs 20 votes. He's still not, so after yeah. four counts, four I think counts, that is, he's not yeah, over the line. He's, uh, he's, um, he's still not, count, which is, like this is the, 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 some dispute, some people say this is the first time ever a teacher hasn't been elected on the first count. Somebody said first time since 1977. That's, yeah, I've seen 77, I've also seen 83, I've seen a few different things. But it's uh, you know let's it's the first be, time yeah, that'll in a be very left to the to the people again, people's you can look. listen to more you know more like it's like the Mayo whether Mayo Mayo yeah, was yeah. one constituency yeah, if you yeah. want the actual, the Irish Times have a podcast if you want if you yeah, want to yeah, yeah. know the these things facts. if you want to know these things go to a pub quiz that's no <laughs> that's not what we're here for we're here for the real stuff but yeah so like to cut it I'd love to see a side by side of it if there is video footage compared to Mary Lou's grand entrance um, at the RDS. Leo Varadkar arrived at around, I would say, half five, six, anticipating that he would get in on the second count uh, off the transfers from Paul Donnelly of Sinn Féin. Um, and instead of people, you know, rapturous applause and, and, you know, cameras flashing and everything, Leo was kind of greeted by his own aides, maybe two dozen maximum, and they all kind of stood in the doorway and chanted, Leo, Leo, and it really was quite sad. 
you know, like it was it was much more it wasn't didn't have that same feel of like, you know, thunderous, rapturous arrival of this mm. new messiah type figure. So, yeah, like you say, Mary Lou has kind of stolen exactly the kind of image and vibe that Fine Gael had always hoped Varadkar would carry. Uh, then the atmosphere after that was really something else, uh, something to witness because, you know, Varadkar was gathered with his family. His family were there. So Paul Donnelly had been elected. Paul Donnelly had been elected. Day. Paul Donnelly had been elected around 3 p.m. Ooh. and people had known that was coming for hours. Yeah. Uh, the assumption was that Leo Varadkar would get in the second count. So the returning officer got up there to read out the second count. Leo Varadkar was surrounded by his family, his sisters, his nephews, his parents. And he read out the transfers and Leo Varadkar didn't have enough. And it was a Ralph Wiggum moment where you could see the shock. Like, you know, like... he. I Leo, felt sorry for him. It's Leo Varadkar, like, he's the outgoing T-Shock. He doesn't show up somewhere unless he has to be there. Mm. Uh, and he showed up 20 minutes before that count, clearly assuming he'd be out of there after another 20 minutes. And that is just not what happened. He's obviously still there. Now, you know, two, three hours later, as we head towards the fifth count, because he hasn't got in on the third count or the fourth count. Mm. So... To call that, like, he's clearly shocked, shell-shocked, what that's going to mean, especially because, you know, presumably he didn't show up earlier for Paul Donnelly's kind of victory party because nobody wants their party leader standing around looking like a loser waiting for his name to be called. But that's that's what they've ended up with, even though he turned up so late. Mm. They've still got three hours of shots of kind of a lonely-looking Leo not picking up his uh, his seat. So I think that's going to raise... Optically, it's terrible. I think it's going to raise serious... He's, it's another thing is he's failed to bring in a running mate. I think Emer Curry tapped out at about 4% of the first preferences. So mm. she's no hope at all. So I think that's going to put a serious dent in his credentials going forward as to whether he can continue as leader of Fine Gael. And where, where do you see that going, Alan? Because you say he'll... he'll be leader for a while but like Simon Coveney has said this isn't a good result from a Fine Gael perspective he's ruled out confidence and supply as well I think uh, um, and you know what does what does this mean for that because you know the party members back in 2017 they voted for Coveney. they voted for Coveney so, yeah. like, this hasn't been a surprise to them in some ways. Yeah, and, like, anyone who's been reading constituency profiles on Cork South Central can just... It's just the same paragraph over and over again. Simon Coveney shows up to Adora, a woman answers, looks sad, and asks him why he's not the leader. And hmm. he gently puts his hand on her arm and says, stop that. <laughs> so, like, that's been... And, yeah, okay, like, you know, the shift in the political system has not happened over the last three weeks, and it hasn't been all Leo Varadkar's fault so we could have been in a parallel universe where Simon Coveney did an incredible job as Taoiseach you know tackling the role of Brexit um, on his own and this could still be happening but it's going to be very easy for maybe bitter Fine Gael grassroots members to think that things would have been very very different if it had been Simon Coveney who was leader and that's a complete hypothetical so nobody's ever able to challenge that if Leo Varadkar does go the two obvious people are Simon Coveney and Pascal Donoghue um, even before the election <laughs> was held uh, Michael Noonan had given an interview saying that Pascal Donoghue would have been his choice and that it was no secret that last time round Michael Noonan really wanted Pascal to have the top job Pascal kind of in his like you know, affable, mm. I'm just a guy who loves Star Wars kind of mm. thing has already insisted that he never wants the job which I find difficult to believe um, but yeah it's it's those are the two natural choices and I guess when you look at maybe a depleted Fine Gael parliamentary party 
it's it's not going to be long before people start talking about that. Um, the other thing I think that might happen and we'll have to wait until the count's finished is certainly the entire 33rd doll and probably Fine Gael in particular seem to probably lose out on women again. Yeah. I mean, nobody did spectacularly in terms of like barely having over the 30% quota for candidates this time round. And I think that people are saying the 2016 doll might end up being a peak for gender mm. equality in Leinster House, which is pretty depressing. Yeah. And where do you see the government formation going this week over the next couple of days? You're going to be back in the RDS at half seven tomorrow morning. I don't want to remind mm. you of that. I know. Uh, why did I even, like, why bother leaving? <laughs> remember last time there was like people shooed into a corner with a sweeping brush basically while some like innocuous family event had to be set up in the centre because the counts go on for so long. But uh, yeah, I think we'll start to see like how things fall tomorrow. Um, a lot of the parties, even Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, are kind of saying different things on what's going to happen mm. now. Um, they've both had an absolute shock. I think the electorate has put manners on Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael um, for their like complete dismissal of Sinn Féin. We will have to go through the motions and at least have the left-wing parties pretend to try to put a government together. Obviously, Mary Lou will be nominated for Taoiseach and people will be watching very closely to see if people like Labour support that nomination. Uh, Sock Dems, Greens, obviously Solidarity, People for Profit probably will. Um, and then I guess it's do Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael want to risk forming a grand coalition yeah. and handing Sinn Féin more power? Okay, guys, listen, you've done phenomenal work today and all, all through the campaign and, you know, there's more to come tomorrow and then just take a few days off before we get ready for the next election. <laughs> uh, but before we go, I am hearing that Leo Varadkar, Taoiseach, leader of our country, has been elected. Yay. So play that music they play at the darts when you know, a set has been won. So that's... Uh, you know, do, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sing it, Dion. Yeah. Play it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when they don't play the sting. Anyway, on that... On that note of triumph for Leo Varadkar is, you know, at least a personal triumph that he can now go home. Go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's you know, sometimes. Sometimes be, that's Sometimes all, yeah. being everybody able to go deserves home to go home is, at is this a point. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. all been there where, you know, you've, you've had a night out it, yeah. and it's not great. And it's like actually <clears throat> getting out of here. Yeah. The Irish exit. Go without saying goodbye. Just yeah. Sneak just out go. The opening the delivery app yeah, before yeah. he's <laughs> even like in the chauffeur car <laughs> telling that's, Matt to like load up Netflix or something <laughs> yeah, before he goes yeah. home so that's it so he's had a good day in the end so yeah. Uh, happy and it, yeah so we will be back with another show tomorrow uh, to f find out where we're going and until then please subscribe uh, on all the usual channels and uh, if you like the show please leave a review I mean the whingers that I hear every week saying there's nothing happening well all of the protesters that I have seen before uh, seem to have extremely expensive phones, tablets, uh, video cameras, and other... Sorry, sorry! It's more like um, a very trendy kind of boutique hotel type place, right? Please. Fuck you, Deputy Stag! Fuck eight, you! Eight, eight. There's a very simple false assumption of which you're saying that I am a wealthy man. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't necessarily assume that if I were you. Ask my bank manager. When it comes to Sinn Féin, and the rule of law, and public order, Deputy and condemning violence. It doesn't take very long for your balaclava to slip. Up the Republic, up the rebels, and it's Chucky Arlong! Control yourself. Right.